If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. And welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so excited you're here. Every week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Kids love our new partner, Little Bits, inspiring young inventors to create their piece of the Star Wars galaxy. For the first time ever, kids can create their own custom droid with electronic bits snapped together. Discover the Little Bits droid inventor kit at littlebits.com and Walmart, Amazon, and Apple. Guys, you're listening to episode number 162, and my guest is Sharon Hottie Miller. Sharon's first book, Free of Me, released last week, and it's one more book that I'm telling you that you need to want to add to your Amazon list today. Sharon did a ton of research for her doctorate degree about women in the church, and our conversation about it will no doubt cheer you on as a woman. Sharon talks about how, as women, we have been given great gifts from God for the kingdom and for the church. God does not give you your gifts just for you to sit on your hands. You know, they he gave you those gifts for the upbuilding of the church. And it is your call and it is your responsibility as a follower of Jesus to use your gifts for the kingdom of God. I wanted to stand up and down and cheer so many times during this conversation. And then I was cracking up laughing as she was talking about how she met her husband at a date auction, you guys. Also, my friends, if you've ever dealt with feeling insecure, jealous, or less than, her words will be ones that you can devour and listen to on repeat. Guys, I'm a fan of Instagram, and if you want to share anything about this show, find me over there. I'm at Jamie Ivy. All right, guys, here is my conversation with Sharon. Hey, Sharon, welcome to the happy hour. Hi, Jamie. It's great to be here. Thanks for coming on, and I'm so happy that we get to talk because... I really like what you do. I feel like a little schoolgirl. Like, I like what you do. So I'm glad that you get to come talk with me. It's like you came to my table and I'm glad to sit and chat with you. Oh, I'm excited too. I've really been looking forward to this. So yeah, let's jump into this. You are, um, your husband's a pastor. Um, mm-hmm. you, are, <coughs> you are an author and a writer and a mama. Um, you've uh-huh. got two boys and a little baby girl on the way. Which one's your baby do? Uh, the end of January. Okay. Uh-huh. So you're going to get through the holidays, all those things. Yes. Um, and so you also, this is cool. And you said in the email that told me that you have a PhD and I knew that about you. And you're like, uh-huh. it's cool sometimes to talk about. And I was like, are you kidding? Of course we're talking about that. <laughs> what? You said it's cool on some podcasts. I'm like, it's cool on the happy hour. You have a PhD. <laughs> so I should go back, Sharon, and introduce you as Dr. Miller. No, no. <laughs> does your husband have a PhD? He actually does. <laughs> oh, boo. I was going to say, if you do and your husband doesn't, I was going to ask you to require him tonight to only call you Dr. Miller. Like... <laughs> Over dinner, bath times, everything. Um, Uh Okay, so you have a PhD. Is this like, I I mean, that's a really big deal for someone who just has a bachelor's degree that took her seven years to get. Um, What is your, tell me about your education. Yeah, so I actually really love telling people about my PhD, which sounds really nerdy. And I always preface it by saying, don't glaze over (laughs) right now. Like as soon as you hear PhD, I think some people are like, wah, wah. But I actually think my research was so fun and so inspiring because I interviewed Christian women and basically asked them why they were called to ministry. And it was really amazing because I sat across from these women. They were all different ages and different backgrounds, but they all just had this call on their life and they were all in seminary. And I just asked them, you know, how did you get here? You know, who encouraged you? Who empowered you? How did you discern a call? And what I wanted to find out was, 
what were the common factors in their stories? Like what was the church doing well to encourage these women? Because a lot, especially for evangelical women, a lot of women just don't step out and Mm -hmm. take that step, especially going to seminary. And so I, I, I'm just really passionate about the gifts of women in the church. And I really believe in the gifts of women in the church and that God made this diverse body of people and we are half of it and that the whole church is depending on women to be stewarding, you know, how he made them for the kingdom of God. And so that was my, my research project. And so it wasn't boring or stuffy at all. It was, it was really, really inspiring. I I felt like I was sitting across, like I had a front row seat at what God has in store for us in the church, just with these amazing women where you could just see God's hand on them. And so I just got to tell their stories and that's, that's what my, my research was about. So it I was, love that. It was fun. What, what denomination did you grow up in? So I actually grew up in the PCUSA, mm-hmm. which is a very traditional uh, Protestant mainline And then when I went to college, I got really involved with FCA Mm -hmm. and that's when I stepped over into a more evangelical tradition. And since then I've spent a lot of time in Southern Baptist churches and I still have a ton of friends in that at Southern Baptist churches, but currently we're just at like a non-denominational church. Okay. So I love it. And I want to hear some of what you found because I grew up and women didn't do that much besides work in the mm-hmm. nursery. You know, mm-hmm. like that's, yeah. what, that's yeah. what we did. Yeah. And so I am like you, love, love, love cheering on women to mm-hmm. step into mm-hmm. their giftings and do what God has called them to do and pressed on their yes. lives and created mm-hmm. them to be mm-hmm. um, with the giftings that he'd given them. And so I want to know some of the things that you found maybe disheartening. And then what were some of the like amazing, beautiful things that you found that made you go, I'm cheering for the future of the body of Jesus Christ because of what Mm -hmm. these women are doing. Mm -hmm. So start, let's start with the bad. Okay. Not the bad, (laughs) but you know what I mean, Sharon, like what are some of the things that you thought, man, that breaks my heart because that's part of their story. Yeah. Well, one thing that was really surprising to me is that a lot of women wrestled with guilt. Mm -hmm. They thought, am I being selfish for going to seminary? Because this is a huge financial risk. You know, if they were married, it was an extra burden for their family They wondered if it made sense because they didn't know if they would have a job waiting for them after school. They, they just, or a lot of them, this is kind of endearing actually, but a lot of them, they just loved studying scripture so Mm -hmm. much that they saw seminary as almost a personal retreat, like just a time with them and the Lord. And so a part of them felt selfish for taking three years just to do that. It's like a three-year like uh, sabbatical retreat, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. a lot of women literally described it that way. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I think they wondered about their motives. And so I was just, I was really surprised by that. Now I found, I was trying to figure out, not all the women I talked to felt that way. Some of them had this, this just deep sense of purpose. And I think the difference between the women who felt a lot of guilt versus the women who didn't is that I think the women who didn't, they could identify some hole in the church or some gap where maybe they felt like women's ministry needs to be stronger, or we need to have more theologically grounded teaching in our church, or they just saw some way that they were, they were stepping Mm -hmm. into the gap. And so that alleviated the guilt. And so what it made me think is that maybe women feel guilt because we're not doing an adequate job of communicating to them that we need them. (laughs) Mm, That's good. Yeah, because if they didn't think that there was going to be a place for them, then you would feel kind of guilty because it costs money to go to seminary. It costs time. Yeah, yeah. And that God does not give you your gifts just for you to sit on your hands. You know, they he gave you those gifts for the upbuilding of the church. And it is your call and it is your responsibility as a follower of Jesus to use your gifts for the kingdom of God. And so I came away feeling like just a sense of urgency that we really need to do a better job of communicating that to women. So that mm. was the that was the negative thing. But the positive thing, and there were a lot of positive things, but one thing that I really took away is that all these women had 
a support system or, or they had supportive voices in their lives. Mm-hmm. And all of the women I talked to, they came from really conservative churches and they came from churches where women were not pastors. And yet they still had conservative male pastors took them aside and said, I see this in you. Mm. I think you should consider ministry. I think you should consider seminary or even professors who did that. A lot of stories of supportive parents. And they all had these stories. They had multiple stories. And it was just story after story of the church being the church, of calling women into leadership. Mm-hmm. And so what I what I took away from that is just the power of naming people's gifts. And now I'm really... I don't know how to describe it, like almost rabid about it. Like if I see someone has gifts, I tell them. That's awesome. (laughs) I'm like, I see this in you. I think God has put this in you because most likely other people are telling them that as well. And I think that that is how God raises people up in his church. I love how you talked about the women that you saw that didn't have um, this overarching feel of guilt. Um, I think that Mm -hmm. that could maybe be true for a lot of different things, but they didn't because they had someone supporting them. Uh-huh. Um, and I feel like I, you and I both probably speak mostly to women. And so I always uh-huh. say, I'm talking to women here, even though I'm sure men struggle uh-huh. with this as well. I yes. feel like sometimes it's like that for women in general, like to step out and do something. Um, it's almost like we need someone to say, hey, I believe in you and I see you and you can do this. Uh-huh. Um, and uh-huh. I'm wondering if the closer those people are to you, it's like the bigger boost that we get, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's hard to say because I think sometimes if it's like your mom, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> you it's like on the one hand, that's really encouraging. But on the other hand, you're like, well, of course, my mom thinks of that. Of course, my mom <laughs> thinks I'm awesome. Yeah, but I, I do think there is something to be said when someone who is in leadership mm. really understands the weight of their words Yeah, that if, if you are in leadership, if you're in a position of influence to know that you could say very, very little in the way of encouragement, and it could literally change somebody's life. It's such a powerful responsibility, but it's, it's really amazing. That's so true. I mean, if you think about it, when I was, you know, an athlete, my uh-huh. parents telling me I had a good game was uh-huh. awesome because my parents loved me, right? Uh, yeah. But my coach singling me out and telling uh-huh. me something that I did amazing, yeah. I, that would mean so much more to me than even my parents. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So because it came from someone position. I really trusted and that uh-huh. I knew, kind of knew the craft, if I could say that, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's what I studied. Okay, I love it. <laughs> Women in the church. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.
You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Now, uh-huh. let's talk. You love, say, you building up women and talking to them about their giftings. Uh-huh. How do you see this benefiting the whole church of women stepping in and using their giftings? Well, you know, like I said, women make up half the church. And so if half the church is just sort of sitting on the sidelines, or if half the church is relegated to, you know, the nursery, kind of like you said, Mm -hmm. and it's not that the nursery is nothing wrong with it. Exactly. But I am, I am someone who, and I am not gifted with children. (laughs) I hear ya. <laughs> it's okay. I don't, know what, I don't know, like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> but I just struggle. I and I know some women who are like magic with yes. children. They just understand kids, and I am not one of those people. And so, if we are sort of, you know, fencing women into just this one narrow little box of church church service, then I don't think we are going to be the whole vision of the church that God created us to be. And I think about passages like first Corinthians 12, where Paul talks about, he, he paints this tapestry, you know, he talks about the church being like a body and some people are the arms and some people are, are the legs. And, um, you know, if the finger tries to be the leg, you know, how that wouldn't work. And whenever I read that, it makes me think, if one part of the body isn't working or if one part of the body is wounded or crippled or sidelined in some way, the whole body Mm. is affected. And I take that really seriously. You know, for me, this isn't like a women empowerment message. This is about the church. I love the church and I really believe in the church. And so that that's my heart. I love that. I had um, a conversation on the show one, I have a lot of conversations, obviously. It's what I do for a living. Uh-huh. But some of them stick with me for a long time. And one of the conversations I had with a girlfriend on the show was we were talking about um, the feminist movement. So feminism, uh-huh. pro-women, uh-huh. all of the uh-huh. things. And she made a statement that I never thought about before because I think feminism can have, it can make you feel weird one way or the other. It can make uh-huh. you feel like, go women, we rule the uh-huh. world, whatever. Or it can make you feel like, wow, we're just totally kind of tipping the scales a little bit, you know? Uh And I, Uh and she said, I want to be so pro women and not lose sight of like how God views the women and about Uh what my role is as a Christian woman. And that Uh was so good for me because I am a cheerleader of women. I am someone Uh who says, you can do this, you can do these Uh things. Uh Um, But I still have very like conservative Uh views about how the church works. But I think I'm proud of women like you who are saying, listen, we don't have to delegate women just to one role. Uh-huh. That yeah. doesn't equal service. Like what if she's a leg and we're making uh-huh. her be a pinky? 
Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, nothing's going to Uh work well. And when you talk, when you bring in, I love how you brought in that passage about how it's the entire body. And so it actually hurts our churches Uh when we're not letting women use their giftings. And so I'm proud of you, Sharon. Thank you for sharing that and being that champion of women to do that. Because I, you have personally benefited from it. I personally benefited from people Uh championing us on, you know? Uh Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think in hindsight, that's probably what was a big inspiration for this research is that I had people in my life who really believed in me, like my dad, both my parents, but my dad in particular, he just believes in my gifts and he would, he would like fight somebody Mm. if they they tried to hold me back. And then my husband is really similar too. he, he just really believes in my gifts. And he's, he believes that as my husband part of his role is to steward the gifts of his wife. Mm. And so I've, I've really benefited from these men who are my cheerleaders. Mm. So, yeah. This is going to be an episode right now that women are like just kind of accidentally sending to their husbands. So like, why don't you listen to this show? <laughs> He's like, isn't the husbands are like, isn't this show for women? And she's like, yeah, but I think you might like this episode. <laughs> Because it is so true. I mean, I benefit from a husband who supports me in everything I do and cheers me on and thinks I can just, he thinks I can conquer the world. And I like, sometimes he thinks too highly of me. I'm like, I was thinking about that the other day, actually, because you, you and I, we both have a lot of friends who travel a lot Mm -hmm. and who speak and, and we travel and we speak. And part of the reason we are able to do that is because of our husbands. Mm -hmm. And I really try to do a good job of celebrating my husband, you know, just publicly. And I I think you do too, Mm -hmm. because they really, they do believe in us and they're not, they're not sacrificing in a begrudging way. You know, they are excited to be a part of how God is using us. And I'm so grateful for men like that. Mm -hmm. And it's such a huge blessing. Huge, huge. I mean, Aaron would not be supportive of me traveling if every time I left was a girl's trip, but right. <laughs> every time I leave is for ministry. You know what I mean? And so uh-huh. it is yeah. supportive. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, seminary. I have thought about going to seminary. Can I just tell Are you, you that? Serious? I'm dead serious. Um, I just don't know when I would do it or how yeah. I find the time, but I would do it. I would be kind of like, um, I have zero desire to be a, have a like PhD or to go uh-huh. that far. Uh-huh. Um, but for me, it would just be like the knowledge, you know, I don't feel uh-huh. like I need it to be better to, um, get more work or whatever you might want to say. Uh-huh. Like, you know what I mean? I don't need the credentials, uh-huh. but just the knowledge. Um, I would love it. And I was just looking at, um, our friend that we mentioned, Kat Armstrong just put up on Instagram recently about how she went back to her seminary and how she was just so proud of the women that were there. Um, and I think it is, I'm just, I'm so proud of, um, of the women that I see step out and do that because generations before that just wasn't, it wasn't a common thing. Yeah. 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 A lot of the women going to seminary now are trailblazers and yes. it's a really exciting thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm cheering you on, um, and you're cheering on of women in the church. And, um, I just think I, I I'll be thinking about our conversation for a while too, just about how the church suffers if we don't let everyone do their giftings, which is Uh so true. Okay, we mentioned briefly that you have a book out. Before we get to your book, I I need to know, you told me that you met your husband at a date auction, (laughs) which I read that and I was just like, I don't even understand how a date auction works. And you were in ministry and he was in seminary. Like, like who puts on a date auction? I know. I know. It was really unlikely. And, and how much money did y'all raise for charity? Because this is crazy. What was going on here? Tell me about it. Yeah. So he was, he was in seminary. I was working in college ministry at the time. And there, the graduate student government at the school, and we went to the same seminary. So I was like living in the same area. I had just graduated. Uh, the graduate student government had this fundraiser. And that's what my husband always, like whenever <laughs> he tells the story, he's like, it was for a really good cause. Right. We were raising money for people who really needed it. <laughs> um, so he... Uh, <laughs> He was being auctioned off at this this fundraiser. That this is so auction. weird to me. Yeah. And I was there because I had a friend who was being auctioned off. It was a guy friend. And he had brought a couple of us along with him. And we were kind of his backups. Like, like please you know, vote for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, if nobody bid on him, yeah. we were there. 
And so that is how I met my husband, Ike, is that we, we had a bunch of mutual friends and we had just never met. And it was in, it is, <laughs> it was in the seediest bar. It was called, the bar is called Shooters. It has, <laughs> there's literally a mechanical bull that you of can ride. Of course there is. Of course there is. Yeah. So we just sat, we sat down at the same table and met and the way he always tells the story is that I met him and, and then the way he heard it is I said, so what are you doing in seminary? <laughs> and I, I don't think I asked it that way, but at our particular seminary, there were a lot of people there for ministry, but there were a lot of people there that were just sort of finding themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of was curious, you know, which category he was in. So right. in my head, I was asking, so why are you in seminary? Yeah. You know, he received it more like a, an interrogation. So I watched him be auctioned off and it was <laughs> super sketchy. He had to take his shirt off. No. They, oh my gosh. If you tell me he gets on that mechanical bull, I'm going to die. Yeah, he did not. He did not. Okay. But they did have him do push ups. <laughs> so you didn't actually bid on him. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, I, mean, I thought that's where the story was no, going to go. Oh, no, no, no. I. I would thought he was sketchy. You know, there were women that were catcalling, you know, just screaming at him and uh, it, it didn't, and he didn't seem really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of liked it. Yeah. And so I real quickly thought, you know, this guy is not dateable, you know, but he actually, he says that, and he always says that when he met me, he thought, he said, he said, God, is she the one? Like he right away Aww. thought maybe. And so he started pursuing me after that. And it took a while. I was, he had to really dig himself out of a hole for me to see him as husband material. But he, after, you know, going on enough dates with him, I, I was able to see his character and to understand, you know, he was a godly man and a uh, man of integrity and all those things. But yeah, it was, it was just really weird that, because we, neither one of us hung out at that place. Like yeah. we never went to that, that bar or anything. That wasn't our social scene. It just happened that way. So yeah, it's a really funny story. That's a great story for the kids. And now everyone, <laughs> every happy hour listener. <laughs> <laughs> for the kids. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. And so, and now how long have y'all been married? Uh, eight years. Eight years, two boys, mm-hmm. a little girl on the way, faster. Mm-hmm. Okay, I love it. Guys, I know you're loving this conversation, but I want to thank two of our sponsors for today's show. And the first one is HelloFresh. Today's show is brought to you by HelloFresh. Please visit HelloFresh.com and use the promo code JamieIV30 to save $30 off your first week of deliveries when you subscribe. Guys, I've used HelloFresh. I've told you about it before. The things I love about it are that it is convenient for me in a busy life stage that I'm in with my kids playing football, that I can get them good food on the table quickly. It is convenient. We can pause it whenever we don't need it. And whenever Aaron's out of town, I always make sure I have HelloFresh coming to my house. It's so simple. The recipes are things that you can follow. They send you the exact amount of ingredients so there's no waste and you're using fresh ingredients. Another great thing I love about it is I usually sign us up for the veggie plan because I can make it go farther and my kids love everything I've ever made for them. So I'm telling you how much we love HelloFresh. And if you want to try it for yourself, visit HelloFresh.com, use the promo code JamieIV30, and you're going to save $30 off your first week of deliveries when you subscribe. Hey guys, I want to thank another sponsor today, and that is Texture. Have you ever walked by a newsstand and you've seen the stunning magazine cover that makes you want to stop and peek inside? or read a cover headline that makes you need to know more? Next time you do, I want you to remember Texture. With the Texture app, not only do you get a peek, you get the whole magazine plus unlimited access to over 200 additional premium titles like Time, Bon Appetit, Real Simple, The Atlantic, The New Yorker. And right now, you guys, you can try Texture for free. So literally, just imagine having your favorite magazines and their back issues anytime, anywhere. To start your Texture free trial, go to texture.com slash Jamie. If you choose to continue, podcast listeners will get Texture for just $9.99 a month. That's over 30% of their listed price. There are also great gift options available for the holiday season. Go to texture.com slash Jamie to start your free trial today. That's texture.com slash Jamie. Texture.com slash Jamie. Okay, back to the show. 
Okay, let's go back. All right, here we go. You have a book coming out. It just came out in October. Mm-hmm. Free of Me, Why Life is Better When It's Not About You. Um, yeah. And you told me in an email that one thing that you're really like excited about talking about these days is the freedom and lightness uh-huh. of focusing on Christ instead of yourself. And I keep going to the lightness, and I think I know what you mean. Uh-huh. But tell me, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so let me back up a little bit and just say kind of the seed of this book came from me wrestling with some personal insecurities in my life. And just as a writer and as a speaker and just in in all these different areas, I struggled especially with comparison. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to figure out, okay, how do I deal with this? You know, what does scripture say about this? I started reading a bunch of books, articles, blog posts, you know, everything I could get my hands on to understand why I was feeling that way, because I have never been a really insecure person in the past. And so it, it just surprised me when I started to experience that. And so I would read, you know, all these messages about how God loves me and how he chose me and how he created me with a purpose and all of those things. And I believed them, but it wasn't helping me at all. Mm. And I thought, okay, wait a second, (laughs) This is the cure for insecurity. You know, these are the messages that we're supposed to speak over ourselves. So why isn't it working? Right. And over time, just through a lot of prayer and a lot of searching and reading, what I realized is that there are, and and I talk about this in the book, is that there are two causes of insecurity, actually. And we talk about the first all the time, which is low Mm self-esteem. And I would define that just as us uh, not seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. You know, not seeing ourselves through the truth of his word. And that is real and it is serious. You know, there are lies, there are wounds, there are all sorts of things that we need God's truth to, you know, wash over us and heal And so that's the first, but the second cause of insecurity is one that we almost never talk about, which is self preoccupation Mm. and self preoccupation causes insecurity because it turns everything into a referendum on you and your worth. You know, when you make your marriage about you, when you make parenting about you, when you make your work or your calling or your appearance about you, then your security basically depends on the kind of day that you have had. Mm -hmm. And so what I realized is that the answer to self-preoccupation is almost the opposite of the answer to low self-esteem. Because if you you respond to self-preoccupation just with heaps and heaps and heaps of affirmation, all you're doing is just reinforcing your focus, which right. is still on yourself. Yes. It's, Give it's me a, more of me. Yes. Yeah, it's still a positive, you know, it's a positive and truthful lens that you're looking at yourself through, but you're still looking at yourself. Right. And, and so the answer to that is taking your eyes off of yourself and fixing them on Christ. And once you can do that, it kind of takes that burden off. And that's what I mean by the word lightness is that the stakes aren't, high anymore. You know, you're, you're not constantly having to prove yourself in everything that you do. And so that's what I mean by the word lightness. And there is like freedom that comes from that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like what Jesus talks about when he says, you know, give me your burden. And he said, my yoke is easy. You know, yes. uh-huh. you know, when you think about, I think we use that a lot with like, just like, here's all my struggles and stuff. But what you're saying is there mm-hmm. is this lightness when we really mm-hmm. do put everything on him uh-huh. and everything yeah. kind of is for him, right? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Because it means that you can, you can fail, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you just think about like one good example is just the pressure of wanting to raise your kids to love Jesus and wanting to be a good example for them. And I think when you put too much weight on yourself and your ability to model Christ, uh, it it becomes a burden Mm -hmm. in a sense. But at the end of the day, we have to own the fact and really be set free by the fact that our kids already have a perfect parent Mm -hmm. and that our job is simply to point them to him. 
And when we realize that, it's so freeing. <laughs> so freeing. I mean, all of a sudden, like someone's listening for the, I mean, I, that was so freeing for me a couple of years ago. I can't even uh-huh. tell you the parenting thing that you just said, but uh-huh. someone's listening right now and they're like, God, it's like they can breathe, you know? Yeah, and uh-huh. also it's almost like, like we get to point them to their perfect uh-huh. father and it takes the responsibility off of like, uh-huh. how good are my kids? Are uh-huh. they a Christian yet? Like, are they uh-huh. using their gift? Are they doing missions? All the things. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. because it's not our job to create that in them. Like they uh-huh. have someone already to do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's the, that's the freedom of just saying, you know what, I'm done trying to make myself big. And I want to just get as many eyeballs clapped on Jesus as possible. And that means I can totally fail and I can totally screw up. And if I do, I can say, do you know who doesn't fail? Do you know mm-hmm. who doesn't screw up? It's Jesus. Right. Look at him. And there's just a ton of freedom in that place. What does that look like for you in a work world? And I ask this question because failing with our children can sometimes mm-hmm. be kept within our home, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I could fail my kids in a way that no one would ever know if I didn't tell them, right? Mm-hmm. Or my mm-hmm. kids could tell their counselor when they're, you know, 25. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but what does it look like as, you know, you have a job or you work or for us who are authors and speakers? What mm-hmm. is, how do you handle that? Oh, goodness. Well, Basically, was- counsel me here, Sharon. Okay, <laughs> bring it on. Bring it to me. <laughs> well, that was kind of the seed of the whole book for me is I was called to ministry. I was called to write and I was called to teach. And for a long time, that was enough. Just doing that work was enough. And then at some point I started looking at the people next to me, or I started Mm. looking at the people ahead of me and striving after them or comparing myself to them. And it completely stole my joy. And it it just took all the joy out of the thing itself that I was called to. And that was also the source of a lot of my, my insecurity. And so I've had to work through that in a lot of different ways. I could probably spend the next two hours talking about it, to be honest. (laughs) And (laughs) that's partially why I just wrote a book about it. But there were a number of things that I realized. One was when I did that, I paid attention to just how it made me feel. Mm. You know, when I wondered why isn't this person giving me, giving me attention, why aren't these people responding to what I've written? It made me feel terrible. And at some point I felt like God was whispering to me and saying, is this what you want? You know, this feeling that you have right now, this insecurity, this, this smallness, this thrashing against your obscurity, whatever, is this how you want to live? And I said, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, well, this is what it will be if you make your calling about yourself. Mm. You know, if, if this is about you and your reputation and your need to succeed, you know, you can make it about that, but you will always feel this way. Yeah. And at some point I said, well, I don't want that. It's not worth it to me. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I went about the work of figuring out, okay, well, how do I reorient my focus back on Christ? And for me, that meant a lot of whenever I do feel that way, that is kind of self-focused spiraling out of control. And I'm sure you've been there. It's it's those like thoughts where insecurity hits you or, or even not in your work. Like if, that woman at church looks at you the wrong way or mm-hmm. someone doesn't respond to your text message or your friends don't invite you to something and your mind just swirls with all these questions about what's wrong with me? Did I do something wrong? You know, these are all self-oriented questions. And so what I decided was to, whenever I noticed my mind spiraling like that is that I would worship God. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I to would- take it off of you. Yeah, I would just stop. And I I literally like wrote down a list of his attributes and just said, okay, God, you know, I'm going to focus on you right now. You are good. You are faithful. You are a rock. You are a refuge. You are my strong tower. You are a savior, a redeemer, a restorer, you know, all of those things where I would meditate on him. And at first my brain would still try and veer back towards that spiral. Mm -hmm. But the more that I did that, it really retrained my brain and there we are created to worship. And so whenever I did that, 
it was really freeing. It, it was kind of like God was saying, yes, you know, this is, I'm not just asking you to worship because I'm vain. And I'm not just asking you to worship because that's what good Christians do, but this is your rescue. Worship is your rescue. And so that is how I, I responded to my insecurity. And, and now whenever, cause I do still wrestle with feeling that way about my calling, especially, you know, with my book coming out, you're mm-hmm. just bare. Yep. <laughs> Yes. You know? <laughs> and so I, I still feel that, but whenever I feel that insecurity, I think, is this what I want? You know, is this going to give me the freedom that I seek? The answer is no. So that's that. Now I have the tools to respond to it, but I, I just really, I love how Paul, you know, in Philippians one, you know, he was imprisoned. He was facing death. He even was abandoned by fellow Christians. And he just said, you know what, as long as Christ is preached. And that is a portrait of a man who is free. And that is, that is what I crave. And that's what I, what I crave for others too. I love that. And as you were talking, I think this is an important conversation because you've said something today that's probably maybe the first time I've thought about it is it's not that you, sometimes it is, you know, insecurity and all those kind of uh-huh. things. But sometimes it is not that you're insecure, but it is that you need to be pointed more towards Jesus. Uh-huh. And I think about that. Um, when I feel this the most is probably not with my writing because I feel like you don't have to look anybody in the eyes when they're uh-huh. reading your work. You know, uh-huh. they read it and they can think whatever they want about you. Uh-huh. Not even with my podcasting because again, I'm in my house. I'm not talking to anybody, you know, whatever. But when I go to places and I teach, uh-huh. Um, this is where I battle this the most um, yeah. because you get off the stage and there's real people. And when you're up on uh-huh. the stage, you're looking at real people's faces uh-huh. and I will start to think, um, do they like me? Do they agree uh-huh. with what I'm saying? Am I teaching uh-huh. them anything? Is this dumb? Uh-huh. Why am I here? Uh-huh. Like literally sometimes those things go through my head before I get on the stage. And the worst time is when I'm on the stage. And uh-huh. I had a, my friend Val told me one time before I got up, I was sharing with her like, man, I just get, I, I get nervous teaching God's word. It's it's a heavy burden to me. Uh-huh. It's a, not uh-huh. burden, a heavy weight. And she's like, Jamie, you have nothing to lose and nothing to prove. Uh-huh. And I was like, that has really been such a thing for me of getting uh-huh. on the stage. And usually if I have paper notes, if it's not on my iPad, if I have paper notes at the top, it just says written really big, give them Jesus. And so uh-huh. it helps me point my mind back to like, I don't need, and it's not insecure because uh-huh. believe me, I want them to think I'm awesome. So that's not uh-huh. insecurity. Uh-huh. That is me getting God's glory. Uh, right. And so exactly. when when I when she told me that of you have nothing to lose and nothing uh-huh. to prove, it kind of it has freed me up so much to be like, I have nothing to prove to them. All I have uh-huh. to do is give them Jesus, point them uh-huh. to Jesus, and my job is done. You know, yep. and whether yeah. they like me or not, you, like make a fool out yes. of yourself. You know, as long as they they are looking at Jesus and they're reminded she's not Jesus. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I can prove that I can prove I'm not Jesus pretty yeah. easily. Yeah. Um, but it's it is that when you're talking about that, that's where I see that the most in my life. And that's kind of some of the things that have helped me. And like you said, some days I own it and I nail it and I get up and I teach and it's not about me and it's all about Jesus. And other days I battle that in my head and I have to go back to saying, God, I just want them to see you. That's it. And just yeah. kind of repeating that uh-huh. mantra to myself. Uh-huh. Um, man, our heads can just get in us, can't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even listening to you talk about your experience of teaching, for me, one of the things I do, I don't know if you do this, but I will dissect the feedback that I get. And even if it's really good, I'm like, well, maybe they were just being nice or yeah. it wasn't, they didn't. They, it could have been better or, you know, there's so many, you just start, there's no end to that road. <laughs> None. Yes. And when it's all about you, the feedback really, really matters. And so for me, yes. since I don't, since I'm so like, that's a struggle for me, uh-huh. I kind of avoid feedback uh-huh. because I'd rather not know. Yeah. Because it's either yeah. going to make me feel awful or make me feel amazing. And so that's yeah. still doing the same thing that you're talking about is putting the uh-huh. focus on me instead of on God. Right. Right. Well, welcome to Jamie's counseling session of the day. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm open about this. I fight that, you know, and so I love talking with women about it because it is. I think we all fight it, you know, and I just get to say it out loud to everybody listening. It's really hard. It's really hard. And it it was kind of hard for me to write this book because it's also kind of embarrassing to say Mm. I focus. I'm focused on myself. I'm self-focused. 
I think that that can be hard for some people, but it's real and it's everywhere. Well, I think it's hard because we don't want to out ourselves. But then whenever you say it out loud, people are like, man, I struggle with that too. You know, I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's one of these internal sins that we could all hide. No Uh one would ever have to know. Uh Um, Uh But I just don't think that Jesus can work on us and get glory through working on us if we don't say it out loud. Right. Yes, exactly. So kudos to you for saying it out loud and for us having this conversation, you know, and for, I just want to like, I always say like, man, go to your girlfriend and tell her those things that she would never see. Uh And this Uh is one of those things, y'all. This is a thing that no one could say out loud. Hey, I'm struggling Uh with being self-focused. Uh-huh. No one would know except for Jesus because he knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> um, okay, we could talk for two more hours about this, mm-hmm. but we'll give everybody a break on this and we'll tell them to go get your book free of me. Um, <laughs> and then they could um, learn more about it. And, you know, you say in the very introduction, you say that you wrote a book like it's not about you. And how does that sound like demeaning or whatever? And we say that to our kids all the time. We're like, hey, because I have four kids. Like, you, uh-huh. it's not about you. You don't get the uh-huh. kind of cereal you wanted this time because there's three other people that live here, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm proud of you for giving us a tool that we can actually say to ourselves, like, man, it's not about me. And I want that. At the end of the day, we all don't want it to be about us. We yeah. want to glorify Jesus. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh-huh. No Christ follower says, you know what? I honestly want this whole life to be about me. No, yeah. we don't because we want it to be about Jesus. Mm-hmm. But it's just but it's sin. So hard. It's so hard. Yeah. That's the thing is like, you know, there's freedom and embracing that statement that it's not about you. But the gap between saying that and actually living it is so hard to jump, yeah. jump between. Yeah. So I really hope that this book is, you know, taking people by the hand in a sense and kind of helping them with that. Well, and thanks for saying, I always say it takes somebody to say it first. And so mm-hmm. um, in this particular scenario, thank you for saying that first for all of us. I live by routines, but I especially love my same-day delivery routine with Shipped. And my shopper knows this about me. When Sunday rolls around and I place my weekly stock-up order, Joe sends texts from the aisles. Wilted lettuce? Nah, hard pass. Deal on my favorite sparkling water? Whew, grab two. Fresh flowers just because? Hmm, sounds like a delightful idea. If you love routines that work for you, get Shipped same-day delivery. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash hi. Meet Gail. Her thing is being a supermom. And supermom has a lot on her supersized plate. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. But at Walmart Pharmacy, supermom recently got her whole family updated on all their vaccines. We knocked it out during a grocery run. No appointment. That's next level supermom. From pneumonia to shingles, HPV and more. Get no cost vaccinations from an expert pharmacist where you already shop. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. Zero dollar copay with most insurances. State age and health restrictions may apply. Um, okay, Sharon, I need to know what you're reading and what you're loving. Okay. So what I am reading, I just started Eugene Peterson's as Kingfisher's Catch Fire. Is it as wonderful as I've heard? Yeah. Well, it's, so first of all, it's, I, I guess a collection of sermons actually. Okay. So it's not just, and I think they were written over the course of his life maybe. Okay. So yeah, it's kind of like the highlights in a lot of ways. But yeah, it's really, it's actually, the thing I love about it is Eugene Peterson has a way of unveiling the depths of scripture, but just in the simplest, most accessible ways. He's a really gifted storyteller. And so it's a pretty easy read and you can just read one of the chapters or sermons, you know, in a sitting, but you feel like you're accessing just the depths of God's Mm. word. And so that's what I really love about it. And I just, I'm so grateful ever since, uh, what was her name at the last if gathering, um, Jill Briscoe. Uh Yes. Uh, her talk, (laughs) you know, I missed it. You have you not seen it? I've seen parts of it. I need to actually sit down and watch the entire thing. I know. I know. I, so I was watching it from North Carolina with while my kids, my boys are like wild animals and they were running around me screaming while I'm watching this. And I'm sitting there like heaving sobs. 
Mm. <laughs> my my oldest at one point stopped and was like, "Mommy, what's wrong?" <laughs> and then he quickly went back to being like running yeah, around the house. Yes, like tearing my house apart. Yes, but uh, yeah, there's something about the the thing that she said that really undid me. She and you might have seen this. She, she said how she's 82 years old or however old she is, and and she said, and I just want you to know it's all true. Mm. And there's something so powerful about these, these giants of the faith who have walked their whole lives following Jesus and they're nearing the end of their lives and they're still running just as hard Mm. and they're not cynical and they're not hard and they're, they're humble and they just have so much to offer us. And I feel that way about Eugene Peterson as well. Yeah. Okay. I love it. I, uh, my husband, Aaron has that book but I haven't, I haven't picked it up. So thank you. Uh, do you read fiction as well? Not as much as I would like to. I used to, before I had kids. <laughs> I That's like how to. a lot of women start statements. Yeah. <laughs> before I had children. Yeah. Now I'm kind of in survival mode. Like Got reading it. at all is kind of a luxury I for me you. right now. I hear you. Mm-hmm. Okay. What three things are you loving? Okay. So the first thing, since this is fall, I thought I would share, I love, I love all things pumpkin spice. And I know that that's not really unique (laughs) at all. (laughs) Well, Pinterest tells us it's not that unique, but. Yeah, I'm not special that way. But (laughs) I, one thing that I really love, so the pumpkin spice latte is out. And I wanted to share, I have a special way of ordering it that I wanted to share with everybody. Tell us. So this was actually given to me. My sister-in-law used to work at Starbucks for years and years and years. And she told me to try this combination that it kind of, because the pumpkin spice latte, it actually, it's super sugary and like it tastes sugary. And it's also, the taste is kind of strong. And so she said to try ordering just like a tall latte and then putting a pump of pumpkin syrup in it. And a pump of white mocha Ooh. in with it. So that's how you order it. You say, I want a tall latte with a pump of... Pumpkin and a pump of white mocha. Okay. And yeah, my husband, it mortifies him to no end whenever he has to order it for me. <laughs> he hates it. And, and he also hates listening to me because I order it really slowly so that they get it right. And he just <laughs> like dies a thousand deaths. But it's important to me. <laughs> I love it. And so you like that better than the pumpkin, the regular. I do. Okay. It's not- white as sugary and it kind of cuts the pumpkin a little bit. It just, it's really good. Just try it y'all. Just try I'm going to try it because I'm not a pumpkin lover. Okay. Okay. But I'm a mocha lover, but I usually don't get flavored drinks there because they're way too sweet for me. Yeah. Yeah. So this is what, le- this is a lot less sugar. So if okay. you can get over being that, that girl. Oh, that I'm going to do it. I'm going to be like that girl. Super, super specific drink. Okay. So that's the first thing. The second thing, these are all not really special or unique. <laughs> that's okay. We love them. <laughs> the second thing that I'm really loving and I've been loving for the last two and a half years is the YMCA. <laughs> is this your little workout place? Well, sort of. The reason I love the YMCA is that they offer two hours of childcare yes, they every do. day. Amen to that. And I'm telling you without any exaggeration, the first year of my second son's life, we were there five days a week. Oh, of course. <laughs> I worked out more when I had little kids than I have ever in my entire lifetime. Oh yeah. And it's and I don't kill it at the gym. No. I'm not the girl. I walk around the track and listen <laughs> yeah. to podcasts and I would read books on the treadmill. Like you you have to go pretty slow. Yeah. I don't take classes because I don't want anyone (laughs) talking to me or touching me or engaging me in any way. And so I would use, like, I used to use half the time to quote unquote workout. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And then the other half, especially I I did this while, while I was writing my book, I would work on my book at the YMCA. And so that is, a huge gift. And I loved the women at our particular YMCA. When my youngest graduated out of the nursery, I literally cried. I I love them so much. So I used to love going to work out because I would take showers too. Like I would bring Uh all my stuff. Yep. It's your me time. Yes. That first year when the baby is just on you all the time and you need space. Right. (laughs) The YMCA is there. The YMCA is there for you. Okay. I want you to know that. 
So that is the second thing. And then the third thing I just thought of is, so I'm 20 weeks pregnant now. And because this is my third, my, my abs have just like given up. They just have, they're just not working at all. Mm -hmm. And so my, I'm showing a lot more, you know, at this stage than I would have before. I started wearing maternity clothes a lot sooner. Right. But so I have now experienced pregnancies over, I guess, like a five-year span. And in that time, maternity clothes have gotten so cute. Girl, I had a baby 13 years ago. (laughs) I looked like you imagine maternity clothes that your mom wore. That's what we were still wearing 13 years ago. Yes, they're cute. Yeah, I was really, I I found a site last night that was adorable, but I couldn't afford anything on it. Um, But I found another site called uh, Pink Flush that has really, really cute maternity clothes and they're somewhat affordable. And then uh, a pee in the pod, I think. Yes. They have now like designer brands are making maternity jeans. It's so So crazy. Out of your favorite brands make maternity jeans now. So, which if you're, if it's your first child, you should invest. Yes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the tension with this is I already have a lot of maternity clothes. And so I feel like I shouldn't buy, but I'm also, you know, my book is coming out. I'm going to be speaking a lot this fall. (laughs) You're going to need some. Yes. I'm kind of like, well, I need to look cute. Yes, you do. (laughs) Cuteness matters. I will tell you that. It's all about Jesus, but you should look cute. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll probably buy like a couple of things, but I'm, I just am really loving the, all the options that they have now for, for women who are pregnant to not you know, look like I, Yes. Okay. This is what I can say. I've noticed as well with um, pregnant women who look so stinking cute. Like I, I don't remember where I was the other day and a pregnant woman had on like, it wasn't like tight, obnoxious and inappropriate, but like a, a, you know, a tighter dress and her belly was just so cute. Uh-huh. Um, a, I could only wear that when I was pregnant because I'd be like, oh, she looks cute because, you know, her belly's supposed to look like that. Like I couldn't uh-huh. wear that now in real life. But like when, a really tight dress. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but when I was pregnant, everything was big. Like every uh, shirt was A-line. Uh-huh. Yeah. Everything yeah. was like tent style, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And now you can wear like your regular shirt, even if it's tighter. And people are like, oh, you look so cute. Mm-hmm. But yeah. when I was pregnant, nothing was on your belly. Yeah. Well, but at the same time, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Like when I see pregnant women, I think they look adorable. And then when I see my pregnant self. <laughs> <laughs> you think you don't, like, you're not in that category. <laughs> my entire pregnancy, my first pregnancy, I literally asked my husband every day if he was still attracted to me. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And every day he said, you are so beautiful to me. And I was convinced he was lying. <laughs> How much weight did you gain? Not that much. Probably 35 pounds okay. or something. Really reasonable. But That's I just normal, yeah. it, like that first pregnancy will kind of mess with your brain. You mm-hmm. really, your body is changing. And yeah. yeah. So. I gained 50. <laughs> which a lot of people do, but it's not recommended, you know, and... I personally don't recommend it to you if you're listening and you're thinking, because I was like all in. I was like, I'm eating for two, you know? And I mean, I ate at Sonic, Sharon, I think uh-huh. every day. Like, it's surprised that my child didn't come out with high cholesterol because I literally ate tater tots every day. And so I don't recommend it to you guys listening, you cute little young whippersnappers having babies. Nope, don't do it. And just to say to all of you, if you're like me and, and I have now, this is my third, I have perspective and I don't feel insecure anymore, but if this is especially your first and you're feeling insecure to know that everyone thinks you're adorable and everybody does, they're not lying to you. You really are. You really are. You really are. And you're just cute little baby bump. So Mm -hmm. cute. Yes. Also bathing suits are different now for pregnant women. Like again, all the pregnancy bathing suits when I was pregnant, they were like a tent. Really? Now women are so cute, like just rocking it. Oh, that's interesting. I know. I'm not going to have any more babies, but if I did, I would rock the belly in a bathing suit. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I might even wear a two piece. Just like, don't put it past me. Cause I'd be like, look <laughs> at this belly. I got a baby in here. Um, anyhow. Okay. Sharon, thank you so much for coming on the happy hour. Oh, uh, my pleasure. 
I love this conversation that we have. It's a conversation that my girlfriends and I have often. And it's a conversation that I love encouraging women to just be who God made them to be mm-hmm. and use your giftings yes. and have. And if you're listening and you see giftings in people, be like sharing, like tell them, encourage people because we need each other, you know? And so thank you for that. All right, guys, I told you you would love that conversation with Sharon. We talked about so many fun things and important things today. And I love the honesty that we brought to the table as well, especially me telling you that I gained over 50 pounds when I was pregnant. That's a fun moment. Now, everyone go right now and send your girlfriends a text or an email or a phone call encouraging her and her giftings. Guys, today's show is also brought to you by Spice Islands. Whether you're looking for flavor adventure or simply better tasting meals, fill your pantry with Spice Islands. Spice Islands uses a craft approach to capture the volatile oil of each spice, which gives it its flavor. From Saigon cinnamon and dillweed to bay leaves, garlic powder, cumin, and turmeric, they maintain a strict standard for each item to ensure consistency, quality, and flavor. Visit spiceislands.com slash happy hour for more spice facts and delicious recipes. And pick up Spice Island spices in the premium spice section of your local retailers. Guys, today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper, and the music is from Jason Poe. Enjoy your week, friends, and I will see you next Wednesday. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend. Meet Janice. Unfortunately, her thing is sneeze attacks every time spring returns. I literally sneezed 40 times in a row once. (laughs) Luckily for Janice, at the Walmart Pharmacy, she can get over-the-counter allergy relief for things like sneezing, runny nose, and watery eyes fast with online pickup or delivery. No more suffering? That's nothing to (laughs) sneeze at. (laughs) I see what you did there. Help survive allergy season with fast online pickup or delivery from Walmart. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart.